What's up, everybody? What's up? For those who don't know who I am, my name is John Watkins, and I'm the campus pastor. Hey, somebody know me. Over at Mosley Campus, um, one church, man. I love seeing my Bailey Ridge people. Great seeing you guys. Great being here tonight. Uh, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Stan for allowing me to speak tonight. Pastor Stan, uh, his son is, uh, just got promoted to be a head coach at, his, at the college that he coaches at. They're playing NC State tonight. Pastor Stan already put in his prayer request. He said, don't let us get beat by 100 points. I told him, man, we still serve a miracle-working God, so, so say those prayers. Um, good to see you guys. For me, uh, I, I was always the recipient of not seeing it. I go to bed pretty early, like 8.30, 9 o'clock early. And I, I would always come, you know, wake up and start talking to people. And I would always be so disappointed that I didn't see the game or I didn't see the award show. And um, sleep was just more important to me uh, than the game most of the time. Um, so, so I'm a UNC Tar Heel fan, uh, specifically basketball. And... Uh, <laughs> And no, I did not attend that college. No, I did not attend that college. Uh, you may say, well, John, why are you a fan? Well, one, uh, growing up, I spent a significant amount of time uh, traveling back and forth to North Carolina to visit my grandparents and family. And listen, fandom just hit me. And then two, Michael Jordan went there, so nothing else to be said. So I'm a huge fan of the North Carolina Tar Heels. April 3rd, 2022 may not mean a lot to you guys, but it means the world to me. Uh, as a Tar Heel fan. April 3rd, 2022, the North Carolina Tar Heels played their arch rival, Duke University, for the first time ever in the Final Four. And it was Coach K's last game as coach of Puke, I mean Duke University. <laughs> Listen, the game was amazing. The game was amazing because we won the game. But it wasn't because I saw it. Because also on April, tw April 3rd, 2022, my wife and I, we were serving our students at that year's student retreat. So once again, I missed it. And I missed seeing some of the most amazing historical basketball that you can ever watch. But guess what? It didn't kill me. Me seeing or not seeing that game had no lasting effect on my life, let alone my eternity. But the way we see Jesus does. And, and what I want to talk to you guys tonight is just how do you see our God? Because the way you see Jesus determines how you live. And I think a lot of times we see Jesus the way we, the way we want to see him. We, we see Jesus through our natural eyes. We see God the way we, where our parents taught us to see God. But I, I want to help you tonight to actually see God clearly. And I think the only way to see God clearly is through three ways. You have to first see God as a savior. You got to then see God as a sanctifier. And then you got to see God as supreme. Father, I thank you tonight. God, I thank you for this opportunity. God, to speak to your people. God, I pray that you would just fill us up. Give us ears to hear your word. Give us hearts ready to receive. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus, in Jesus' name. Seeing God clearly determines how we live. So the first point, seeing God properly is seeing God 
as a savior. You want to turn in your Bible, turn to Titus chapter 3. A little bit about Titus. Titus, he was a young apprentice of Paul's. Um, They did a lot of ministry together. And when this letter was written to Titus, he was in Crete where Paul had left him um, after a long time doing ministry. This letter to Titus was, uh, was in concern for the Cretan churches because like today's church, Paul had a lot of issues with what, what was going on. So Titus chapter 3, verse 3 says, Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our, our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. So Paul, he's reminding them, yo, there was a time you were doing a lot of wild stuff. And then he goes on to say in verse 4, But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. You equals sin, which equals death, which equals hell. Sin is not an additive or something we adopted. We were born into it. And being born in sin, hell is what we deserve, man. I know know it's tough to hear. Hell is what we deserve. So no matter if you were born in the church or you cussed somebody on the way to church tonight, We were all born into sin. There are two familiar ways that people usually think about themselves. I'm a good person, so God should see me as a good person too. And then the other person says, I'm a bad person, and God shouldn't see me at all. So no matter what view you have, good or bad, on yourself, man, we all are in need of a saving God. And without him, without Jesus, hell is our home. I know it's heavy. I know it's heavy. But remember, how you see God determines how you live. Verse 4 is our hope. If Paul had stayed there, man, we would all be damned. But verse 4 is our hope. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. It describes God as kind, loving, and merciful. And though, yes, we deserve eternity separated from him. The right, the right story of humanity alone, alone is in the salvation. The, the salvation is found only in the hands of Jesus Christ. The one who writes the story of humanity is Jesus. He's the author of our salvation. He's the one who writes the story. You didn't make it up. Jesus did. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking, seeing unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus by himself endured the cross. No one else. There's no other way to God. There's no, one, there, there's no other way to heaven. There's no other way for salvation alone. It's through Jesus. I love how Timothy puts it. In 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, it says, this is a trustworthy saying. And everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I'm the worst of them all. Verse 16, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. And I can hear some of you thinking, we know this, John. All that you just said, man, tell us something we don't know. We've heard the gospel presentation. You've heard it, but have you seen it? So what do I mean? A lot of our lives look like we're trying to save ourselves. A lot of our lives look like our resources and our job and and, and our interests 
are saving us and not God. And all of those things are not the Savior. They're an idol. All of those things that we put before a loving God to take the place of him in our heart, they only lead us to idolatry. We as Jesus followers should be displaying the saving power of Jesus and not ourselves. Eternal life in Jesus and not this world. It's important. It's important because Jesus said it. And Jesus said it in John chapter 3, verse 3. I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It doesn't get any clearer than that. Jesus saves us and nothing else. We first have to see him as Savior. And then he goes on this amazing journey with us. And he changes our lives through sanctification. Point two, seeing God properly is seeing God as a sanctifier. Going back to Titus 3, at the end of the verse, in in verse 5, it says, He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. I love how D. Edmund Hibbert says it. He says this about the Cretan church. Naturally, they were prone to be lax and indifferent. The Christians in Crete were heavily influenced by the prevailing low moral standards in Crete. Pastor Charles talked to us about influence this past Sunday. If you haven't heard it, go, go watch that message. It was amazing. Dr. Hibbert goes on to say, for the people in Crete, perhaps the gospel of grace was misinterpreted to mean that salvation was unrelated to daily conduct. Listen, no one receives Jesus as Savior and does not change. I can't simplify it more than that. No one has a real encounter with our saving Jesus and remains the same. No one knows that better than the writer of this letter, Paul. Paul was a young man who was well-educated on his way to be a rabbi. Paul was a zealous man of Jewish faith. Paul was also the equivalent of a terrorist in his day. He was a man that violently harmed Jesus' followers. So listen, he was accomplished and he was evil at the same time. He was born a certain way and then miraculously reborn when Jesus saved him. When you read the letters of Paul that he wrote 13 letters in the New Testament, you're reading profound letters that are not of the same man that was hurting Christians. This is a man that's been redeemed. This is a man that was born again. This is a man that was once dead and now alive in Christ Jesus. Here's how Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is like the Spirit, makes us more and more like like him as we are changed into his glorious image. God, in his kindness and his grace, loves us enough to not leave us the same way we were born. He He makes us more and more like him. My wife and I, we went to Nebraska a couple of uh, weeks ago to visit our family, uh, and, and my niece and nephew, man, it, it, we were just watching them. It's interesting to watch them. They're sweet little children, but it, it didn't take long for us to see their depravity. Their parents did not teach them to yell, mine, gimme, no. They weren't taught that. And, and for y'all homeschoolers, it's not because they go to daycare either. <laughs> they are sinful. And they need sanctification, man. Those kids need sanctifying, and so do we. But it doesn't come through trying harder, and it doesn't come through isolation. It only comes through God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that can sanctify us. 
But I want to encourage you tonight to surrender to that power. Not allowing what you have accomplished or what you have done to clout your vision of what God can do. Maybe you're like me. Before Jesus, I had no purpose. My life was driven by selfish desires and prom- that promised to fulfill but never did. And when he saved me, he filled me with his spirit and he changed me forever. It didn't change my personality, but it changed my character. If you ever hear me preach, you'll hear me say that at least one time. God doesn't change your personality, but he changes your character. He wants to give you the character of his son. Galatians 5.19 says, when you follow desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the way we were born, and it it promises hell. The penalty for those things, those sins, equals separation from God. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience and kindness, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. There is no penalty. If there's anything you get tonight, I want to encourage you, let these two verses, pray them every single day. If you don't, it shows us what we need to run from, and it shows us what we need to run to. If I run to myself, that first list in 22, that's all I'm going to live. That's all I'm going to show in some way, shape, or form. And when I run to the saving power of the Holy Spirit, I bear fruit. And any tree that is healthy, any tree that has life, bears good fruit. So you must see God as Savior. You have to see him as a sanctifier. You can't miss that. And lastly, more importantly, you have to see him as supreme. Seeing God properly is seeing God as supreme. I love how how David sees God in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11. It says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in heavens and on the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Show me someone or something great, and I'll point you to a God that created it. You show me somebody who is awesome, and I'll show you a creator God that is even better. He's supreme. He's more than anything. He is all. There's only one God, and there's only one creator of all. My prayer tonight is that the songs we sing and worship, that it paints a picture, not of us, that it paints a picture, not of how we feel, but out of a creator God that deserves all of our worship and all of our praise. We have to see God as supreme. I love, man, one thing I love about my God is that he's never, he never sits back and we can look, we can look at each other, we can look at things, but our God is always working. He's never lounging. He's never sitting back just like, go, go, go. do. He's always with us. The Bible says that even in the valley, he's with us. 
Even when things look horrible, he's with us. There's only a supreme God that says, you know what, I'm going to create everything and I'm going to walk with you in it too. There's only a God that is the creator of all, that has all power, that says, you know what, I'm also, what else I'm going to do? I'm going to wrap myself in flesh. I'm going to walk amongst my creation and I'm going to save them with the body that I created. Only a God, only a God like our God can do such things. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, that the earth declares his handiwork. You walk outside, you see God. You look around this auditorium, you see God. You don't have to look far to gaze in the beauty of his holiness. But maybe it's hard for you today. Maybe it's hard for you to see him the way you should. I want to remind you there is nothing higher, there is nothing greater or more supreme than our creator God. If everybody can stand. Hebrews chapter 3. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. Just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything, the one who built everything is God. Everything includes, includes me and you. Imagine you as a parent, and woman, you carried that child for nine months. Father, you work every day to provide for your child. And that child calls somebody else mom or dad. Now, you'll be offended, and that offense is warranted. But the fact of the matter is, it's just not true. You created that child by God's grace. No matter what they say, you're their parent. No matter what we say, God is the creator of all of us. I don't, care what you, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what somebody told you. You didn't make yourself. God made you. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's the provider. He's the constructor. He's the builder. He's the architect. You name it, that's our God. You name it, that's our God. He's that supreme. He's that powerful. You have to see God properly in order to be a Christian. I, wanna, I, don't know, I, I don't know what faith you have if you don't see our God as the one true God. I don't know what it looks like for you if what you've been seeing is politics and culture and finances and relationships. Those things make weak gods and they can't bring salvation to you. You have to see Jehovah as the one true God. You have to see the Almighty as the one that deserves your worship and your praise. So when we sing in song, man, a lot of us will have the bent to think about ourselves. We have the bent to think about what we want. I wanna tell you, it's not about us. Worship is about our God. Worship is about our God. So as we go into these next songs, man, I want to read one more scripture. I know I've read a lot of scripture, but let me tell y'all something. I'm not up here because I know how to preach. I'm up here because I trust in the word of God. I'm up here because I trust in his spirit. So I'm not going to give you what I think. 
I'm gonna give you what he says. And in Psalm 99, it says this, the Lord is king, let the nations tremble. He sits on his throne between the cherubim. Let the whole earth quake. The Lord sits in majesty in Jerusalem, exalted above all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Your name is holy. Mighty King, lover of justice, you have established fairness. You have, you have acted with justice and righteousness throughout Israel. Exalt the Lord our God. Bow low before his feet, for he is holy. Whatever passion you have, whatever adoration you have, whatever love, whatever emotion, I want you to give it to him. He deserves it. Come on, man. I love my wife, but she, only God has a place in my heart that no one else can have. I love my family, but there's only one person that's just sit on the throne of our hearts. That's what we need to do tonight, man. When we go into worship, when we lift our God up, we got to think about him. We got to see him clearly. He's beautiful. You can't see him as beautiful if he's not your savior. You can't see him as, as beautiful if he hasn't removed the veil. All those things are in sequential order. He has to be your savior. He has to cleanse you and wash you of your sins. And then you can see him as the almighty God. Father, I pray tonight, God, as we worship, Lord, God, you're the one true God that deserves all of our praise. God, you have shown yourself strong. You have shown yourself mighty. God, you are faithful when we are faithless. God, you deserve our praise no matter what. God, I won't let the rocks cry out for me. God, I won't let a chair, I won't let a stage, I won't let another person cry out for me. Tonight, God, I'm gonna give you my worship. Come on, if that's you tonight, God, we're gonna give you our worship. God, we're gonna give you our praise. God, no one else is gonna speak for us. No one else is gonna have the place in our heart. God, you have it. It's all for you, God. Lord, I pray that you receive our worship and you receive our praise. In Jesus' name, let's worship God.